Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. When we think about changes that we make, sometimes they are precipitated by some life-altering event and we go, like, I'm going to make changes or I'm not going to be here long. So I made changes, and, and so I'm, we're doing those things. And, but we're not going to talk about physical changes, really, because those are some of what I'm doing. But look, there's a number of habits in our lives that are vitally important to our growth as followers of Christ. And we're going to look at four over the next four weeks, and we're going to start today with the importance of God's Word in our lives. The importance of God, God's Word in our life, and, and we think about that, we... we we go right to this one passage of Scripture from, that Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul writes a letter to Timothy, his son in the faith. And you have to recognize that this affinity the two have. And, and Paul knowing that he, his time in, on, on earth was, was coming to a close and, and he knew that he had to continually pass on what he had to others. He had this young son in the faith named Timothy. And, and Paul really didn't lead him to faith, but, but he called him his son in the faith and and he writes to Timothy, and he wrote a couple letters, and this is in the part of the second one, 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. says this, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Look, when we talk about Scripture, we talk about the Bible, there are people that when, when we talk about the Bible itself, people are like, ah, and it's an old book. It's, how do we trust that? How do we know it? Look, there is a lot of reasons why we can trust the Scriptures. There's a lot of reasons why we can look at the Scripture's legitimacy. And we, and we can do that with historical data. We can look at its effectiveness and its wisdom with proof from historical events and our own experiences. But look, the power of the, of the Bible is because it's God-breathed. It is His words that He carried along some, some writers to write down so we could have it. He, he helped them be carried along by the Holy Spirit to give us His message that, that we've got to believe by faith. It's confirmed by the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. And look, and we know this, that as soon as somebody rejects the holiness and the authority of the Bible, they will soon wander from the true message of the gospel. And history proves it time and time again that as people kick aside the Scriptures, as they, as they feel, well, no, we know better now. People go off the rails. Events that don't end well. That's one of the warnings that Paul gave to Timothy. In verse 14, he says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you can trust those who taught you. Now, when we consider Timothy, Timothy, we, if you know his story a little bit, Timothy was taught by, by his mother and his grandmother. 
Lois and Eunice. He, he was taught by them. And, and, and he remembered that. And Paul saying, you, you, you should hang on to those things that you have been taught, for you can trust those who taught you. But he's not just talking about his, his grandmother, his mother. He's also talking about Paul and, and some of the other people. He's understanding. Look, hang on to that. Timothy, hang on to that. And it, 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 those would be Paul's words to you and I. Like, maybe we weren't taught at a young age, which Timothy was, because verse 15 goes on and says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Look, some people had the privilege of, of, of being taught the Scriptures as children. Some had to catch up. Some, some have learned later in life and, and have had to start and just start reading and, and understanding who God is and, and it's later in life. Wherever you are, you start. Look, in, in the life group that Ansel and I are, are leading on Wednesday night, it's, it's going through the Psalm 119. It, it's a really cool, that is like one of the coolest chapters in the Bible, especially if you want to understand what the power of the Word of God is. When you want to understand the power of the Scriptures, just start reading Psalm 119. It is incredible. But when you look at and you consider the Bible, and you consider it's the, the history of the Bible, do you realize that, that we have manuscripts from Greek and Hebrew in like the second century and before? It's so cool to see and to know that history backs up what's contained in the pages of our Scriptures today. You know, if we were to consider the, the early church fathers like Clement and Origen, Arrhenius, you, you, we could reconstruct the entire New Testament from their quotes alone, which is a pretty powerful and cool statement. Like, when you start to, when you see that historical backup of what the pages of Scripture say today, it is so cool. Like, we're not just going, ah, this is a cool book. This is the power of God. This is his words to us, his story to you and I, understanding that we are able to know him, that he wants to reveal himself to us. And he does that through the pages of Scripture and through his Holy Spirit. He, he helps us to know him because he wants to be known. Look, when we think, think about Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is an interesting passage of Scripture. And some think that King David wrote it. Not, not many, but some think King David wrote it. Others, other possibilities for an author could be a, one of the, uh, just a priest or a Levite, not, nobody that we would know by name. And even though we don't know who wrote the, the, the psalm, what we know is the writer had a love for the Word of God. When, when the writer talks about the love for the Word of God, you have to understand the writer probably in all likelihood only had access and is referring to the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now understand these verses in light of that. Okay, he, he, he is writing this, and he says in Psalm 119, verse 55, I reflect at night on who you are, O Lord. Therefore, I obey your instruction. In verse 62, it says, I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. In verse 147, I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. Look, does that describe you? Does that describe our behaviors? Are we rising up early? 
Are we staying up late? Are we staying awake through the night thinking about the promises of God? Like, like understand what's happening here. Here's, here's a guy who, who, is, who is thinking about the revelation of God contained in the first five books of the Bible. And, and, and when you look at it, he, he, and you read through Psalm 19, you just see such wonder and awe of who God is and what he's done and how he's working. And that's just out of those things. And, and then he's, he knows the stories of the other things. He, he knows some other things and knows some things about the kings and how God has provided. He knows some of those things. He doesn't have it laid out for him. Look, it's our choice as to whether we spend time with God or not. It doesn't matter the time. It's really not a place. It matters is we're spending time with Him. It's the opportunity to know Him. It's the opportunity to discover more of who God is. I believe there's moments in our lives where we struggle with understanding of verse 16. We understand this verse. When we understand what it says, we will make sure to spend time with God. Verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Well, God realized when we read that verse, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's an act of faith. Like, we, we, we have to do that by faith. As we know who Christ is, it, it enables us to, to open up our eyes to the Scriptures and, and really to see it. Look, and we've got to. As followers of Jesus, we, we, we have to accept its authority. Our attitude toward the Bible makes a huge difference. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Paul's writing that to the church of Thessalonica, just celebrating the fact that they, they received the message. What, what message did they preach? The message of Jesus Christ and crucified and rose again. That's the message they preached. But also, what, what scriptures did they have? And they, they had the Old Testament at that point. Obviously, they had Isaiah and all those. They had those. And, and, and Christ is revealed through, through that whole Old Testament time. He's revealed, and, and we see him, and we discover him. And they were discovering him, and they heard the story, and they heard what had happened, and they believed. And now Paul's writing a letter probably in some senses, he's realizing it is the Word of God to them. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't know that it's going to be contained within the canon of Scripture that's preserved for us. He, he doesn't know, but he knows he's being carried along by the Holy Spirit to give a message to the church of Thessalonica and, and, and to us as well. And he's saying, you accepted what we said as the very Word of God. And that's what we have to do with the pages of Scripture. Accept its authority. Accept it as the very Word of God. Now let's get some clarification. 
Okay, we also believe in a closed, we believe in a closed canon of Scripture. Okay, now we'll explain that. There are not, nor will there ever be, any other books, verses, ideas added to the Bible or placed beside it in equal in authority or, or revelation. It's not going to happen. Anytime that anybody gets anywhere near that line, you can start to close down. Okay, all preaching, all teaching, all worship. How do we know that the stuff we sing is true? From the Word. Otherwise, it's just a good song to sing and words to sing. There has to be a theology here. There has to be a theology in worship. There has to be a theology to the song. See, see, we can sing with confidence songs because we know that they're backed up through the pages of Scripture. We, we can only sing we're a friend of God because He's our friend. We can only sing about... My, my, my mind doesn't work in music, people. You understand this. I, I need to find words. Michael, give me words. Give me words, Michael. Oh, here we go. Build my life. I'll bring it back just in case you need it later. Build my life. You're worthy of every song we could ever sing. He's the only one worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever be. Look, you go through an, an event like I went through, you're just thankful for breath. You're like, hey, I got some few more days. Maybe I ought to use them really well. Right? Yeah, it's, it's good. Jesus, the name above every name. Those aren't just songs. There's theology there. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. There is no name like the name of Jesus. There's only one name under heaven in which we can be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. It's the only person, the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. See, we know as we sing those things, those scriptures ought to be just flooding our hearts, flooding our minds, and remembering. We ought to be, as we sing, and every song we sing, we ought to be thinking theologically. What is going on in this moment? What, is, what are we trying to express? the Savior, because it has to be built upon the foundation of the Word of God, upon the work of Jesus Christ. So everything that's ever declared, all preaching, all teaching, all prophecy, all worship, any other communication, being declared in the name of the Lord is to be subject to the measurement by the content of the Word of God. That's the way it must be. Anytime anybody gets off that rail, you shut off. Right? Mute button. It's easy. Preacher goes off the rails, just press mute. You might want to talk to me afterward, but, you know, don't tase me or anything, okay? Just keep it simple. Okay, so here's the deal. Okay, for those of you, I don't know how many of you have iPhones with you, but if you have an iPhone, I'm giving you permission right now to pick that thing out and, you know, open it up. There's a cool app in this thing called the Compass. It's really cool. I just have had fun playing with it today, really. But I have a question for you. Which direction is true north? Before you look at your compass.
you know, I, I, I knew directionally sort of where it was before I walked in the room, right? I know it's that way. But that's not true north, by the way. Um, it's actually back about there. So based upon my compass here, and you pulled it out, you just centered that thing up there. You know, if you get, here's the deal. I know none of you are walking home later using your compass. Because it'd be really cold. But do you realize that if you think you're going in the right direction and you're off by one degree in 10 miles, you're going to be off by 920 feet. 10 miles. Okay. So in one mile, you're going to be off by 92. Now, now, if you multiply that out, I mean, you're missing planets later, okay? I mean, it's just like, you know, you're just not going to hit. You talk about not being able to hit the broad side of a barn. You're not going to hit the broad side of the barn. It's not going to happen. You're going to miss it. When you, when you think about this, okay, when, when you think about walking and making sure I'm walking in the right direction, if I'm off just by one degree, I'm going to miss big time. Now think about that from a theological perspective. Part of the power of the Word of God is it corrects us when we're wrong. How, how off do you want to be? I mean, I hope all of us would say, I don't want to be off at all. And every time we, we kind of navigate a little off the rails and we kind of get off track, the purpose of the Word of God is to bring us back into alignment so that we're back on the right path, headed in the right direction to get to the place that God is wanting us to go, to be the people that He wants us to be, to get there, to make a difference with the people around us. He's wanting to keep us on track. And so we need to spend time in the Scriptures because you're going to understand what truth is. You're going to understand what's right and wrong. And, and look, we're not going to go through all kinds of things, but look, if you hear things that sound good, but they don't line up with the Scriptures, they may not be so good. Okay? Whenever there's a conflict between something of life, morally, whatever, and the Scriptures, choose the Scriptures. Because God has proven out that He has your best interest in heart. The people selling you something do, do not. This is the way it is. Now, a simple way to get going, if you're not going yet, and, and, and working on it, is a, is a Bible reading plan. Just read through the Bible. For the reading plan, you can use version. I, I have been told that as a result of a year ago when I spoke along this line, um, somebody ended up with a smartphone because of it. I didn't get a commission on that. I, you know, should have, but I didn't. So um, some guy should have contacted me and said, hey, somebody just came into your church and bought a cell phone. And so they didn't. So anyway, but no, I'm not suggesting you get a smartphone, but, but a Bible ring place somehow. But get you version. Get If you've got the phone, get it. Get reading. Another way to do that is to connect with some friends and read the Bible together, like separately, but then get together and talk about it. And so 
I want to have Tim Trail come, and he's going to share a little bit about what Bible reading has done for him. This was pre-planned, by the way. <laughs> Next week, it's your turn. No, I'm just kidding. What is not pre-planned is when he talked about Timothy and knew exactly where he was going. Let me read it in a different, a different translation. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for the teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. One of those words is also translated in some for rebuking in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You can't, uh, you can't talk about Bible reading without getting that scripture in there somewhere. So, what is it that is so difficult about reading the Bible? Nothing really. Um, I mean, we do it all the time. I've done it several times. I've read it through three times. And I read it through to put that check mark in the box that I had read the Bible through in a year. The real problem I had was in studying the Bible. And by that, I mean reading God's Word and getting face-to-face -face with Him so that the Holy Spirit can show me what I'm reading, show me the meaning. A lot of times we rely on reading commentaries, and they're good, but that should not be the end to our means. If they were, if commentaries were all good, why do? Why are they different? Why does one say, "Once saved, always saved," but another says, "Once you're saved." you could give up your salvation. Why does one say it's okay for women to serve in leadership positions in the church, but another one says it's not? I had to come to the realization that it was kind of shame on me um, for thinking that I was not good enough for God to meet with me, to show me um, what he wanted me to know at that time. We must know when some, someone tells us something that is wrong. Paul warns us about this throughout the New Testament, that we have to pay attention and know when a false teacher is around us, just like Pastor Steve was talking about. One day, Jason Kinsey asked me if I would like to study the Bible with him, and we were going to be using the Fire Bible. Now, I'm not sure why I agreed, because I really hadn't studied before. But it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So what is a fire Bible? A fire Bible is a Bible that has extensive pastor notes in it. Um, it was written because they have had a lot of people accepting Christ and coming into the ministry, and they didn't have enough mentors to keep up. So at least if they had this, they had something to fall back on and to guide them. Now, 
Jason didn't lead the class. He facilitated the class. The Holy Spirit led the class. I learned a few things uh, that I'd never learned before when reading the Bible, but I had read it several times. I had read those things that I learned several times. And I began to understand what I was reading. We read two chapters a day plus the notes. And we did this for six days. And then we met on the seventh day. Now, that might sound easy, but it's a lot harder than it, than it seems. I see some people smiling at me, and they agree. Um, I even asked Jason if we could drop down to one chapter a day. What was your response? No? You see, Jason, Jason had a mission. He had been given a mission, and he had instructions. And the drop down to one chapter a day was not part of it. By the end of the New Testament, I'd realized a couple things. It took us about six months to get through the New Testament. One of those things, God will meet me and show me what he wants me to, wants me to see. Two, by reading two chapters a day in the notes, it was something that was really doable, but yet it was fast enough that I began to realize how different parts of the Bible interrelated with each other and how it really came to life and made sense. We didn't stop there with the, with the New Testament. We hit the major prophets, minor prophets, Job, and there might have been one other, but we, so we read through a year. Before this, the Old Testament was probably some of the most boring reading I've ever read. But understanding the New Testament opened up the Old Testament to me. And I began to understand that nothing's really changed. I've gone through the, we're, we're on our third time through, it's a different group, going through the New Testament. And I've caught things this time that I missed the first two times. As I, as I learn things, shows me something else. So what has studying the Bible done for me? It's brought me closer to a relationship with God. It has made God's Word come alive to me. I used to get up at 6 a.m., get ready for work, and leave. Now I get up at 5 a.m. so I can read the Word. I give God my first fruits of my day, and that works the best for me. For different people, different times may work. Reading the Bible, studying the Bible has made church to be not so boring. And I say that because I didn't know God's Word. So I didn't understand a lot of times what, the, what Pastor Steve and any of the pastors were saying. Paul constantly tells us to be on the lookout for false teachers. But how can I do that if I don't know God's Word? I have heard the pastors stand up here and say, we should check out everything that they say, as any good pastor will do. But you can only do that if you study God's Word. We sing a song that says, I call God my friend. But how can I call God my friend if I don't meet with Him daily? Why do we have friends and best friends? Because we're because we are with and know our best friends more than others. Even more than a friend, I want to call God my best friend because he is all that matters. To do that, though, I must study the Bible 
more than I'm on Facebook, more than I'm on Pinterest, YouTube, the TV, whatever it may be. Maybe if I understood, maybe if we understood God's word, we wouldn't have hundreds of churches with division among believers. Maybe we wouldn't leave church when we get offended. Maybe we would discipline those who call themselves Christians by biblical standards. Maybe we, maybe we would understand how to take correction. I hope you understand my heart and what I'm saying, as I now understand the heart of those who were pushing on me before. I want each of you to experience what I have and more. Just as these pastors want you to experience what they have, like Jason, like Llewellyn, like others in this, I can't remember, like others in this body. I love you and God loves you. And he wants so much more from you. It is up to you to learn what that is. You you just discovered and and Jason started that a few years ago and it's just been a cool thing and people have gone through it. It's been a growth time for them. I think what you hear here is look we we have to let God's word and the truths of scriptures penetrate our lives. It's really important, okay? It was so important. I'm going to give you an illustration of how important it was. In the first five books of the Bible, God wrote out a lot of laws, okay? Now, those are all there, and it's before they ever entered into the promised land, before, okay, so it records that, and it tells that story, But, but God gives instructions to the children of Israel probably through Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy. And before they ever have a king, he says, look, on the outside chance that when you get into the promised land, you suddenly want a king like all the other countries around you, do this. So it's kind of this contingency plan in case it happens, which God already knew it looked like it was going to happen. I mean, he knew. I mean, he knew. He knew it was coming. But he gives them instructions. And this is the instructions for their king. Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of a Levitical priest. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. You know, look at that. Like, how's that a requirement for king? If you're going to be king, one, you better know how to write. (laughs) And you better copy the scriptures. And you better not cheat because the priest will be sitting there keeping an eye on you. And this is why. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. Like how far offline do we want to be? Remember? Remember how, how far off do we want to be on our journey? If we're just one degree off, it'll make a difference. If the king is a few degrees off, it's going to make a huge difference. In, in fact, if the king of Israel's 
off, it's going to cause problems. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way, and it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. How did it work out for that first king? Not so good. Not so good. It took one king, one generation, king, kings coming from a different family because God had had enough. One king. And he didn't make it through the full lifetime because God anointed a new king pretty early in the process. I mean, he wanted somebody so bad, he's like, oh man, this young kid will do. How many of you want God to anoint a teenager to lead you? No offense to the teenagers in the room. But some of you know you, you wouldn't want to lead either because you wise enough to recognize you're not ready to leave. But God, but God goes, you know what? This guy's already off the rails. There's no saving him. There's no hope. He won't repent. I'm going to have to anoint a new king. But the idea was, if they would read the word, if they would study the word, if they would have it with them all the time, it would have an impact on their life, and it would keep them from going off the rails. Why is God given? Why has God preserved his word so well for thousands of years? Because he wants us to know him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to stay on track, not be off track. He wants us to experience his goodness and his grace. He wants us to experience the wonder of knowing God. And we're going to do that by reading His Word, hearing His Word, studying His Word, memorizing His Word. Remember Psalm 119, verse 9, verse 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. Verse 11. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, the psalmist knew he had some great meditating on God's word, thinking about his word. And then I've got to go and apply it in my life. Okay, final three questions for you to consider, not for today, but how do you apply scripture? Asking these simple three questions. What did it mean to the original hearers? The first people it was sent to, first people it was written for, what did it mean to them? What was its meaning? Number two, what is the underlying timeless principle contained in that passage? Number three, how could I practice that principle? Number one, what did it mean to the original hearers? Number two, what is the underlying timeless principle? Timeless meaning it's going to apply this year and it's going to apply forever. It's going to apply in America, and it's going to apply in, in any of the poorest countries in the world. If it doesn't apply universally across the world, it cannot be God's message. If it only applies for Americans, it's not right. 
God did not write it for Americans. He wrote it for Americans, but he wrote it for everybody. Okay, so, so the, the, what is the underlying timeless principle? It, you go off the rails when you think it just applies to America. You're going to be doing all kinds of stupid stuff. Number three, how could I practice that principle? This morning, as I pray, all I want, simple response. I want all of us to commit to making sure that Bible reading is a consistent habit in our lives this year. If you got that down, then I want you to encourage others, just like Jason did, of bringing some people along and saying, read the Bible with me. Connect with me on this U version. I'm going to do this reading plan. Connect with me. Let's talk about it. Do something to bring other people with you. This is not, see, see, we're forgetting that the, the, being a follower of Jesus is not about me. It's about us. And it's about others. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world might be saved. Right? Right? It was about others. He, he, he is saving us. He is teaching us. He is doing things in us. Why did God give those instructions about the king? It was for the rest of the people. It was to keep him on track to, to help the people in the nation. It wasn't just so he was saved. It wasn't just so he was good. It was so that he was good and did right for the people he was leading. That's what we've got to do. And as you leave today, pull out your compass. And walk your way home. It's scary, wouldn't it? But you'd know real fast you're off track. Remember, that's the power of the scriptures. It will point out when you're off track. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of having the scriptures in an way that we can read it and understand it. Lord, thank you for speaking to your people in their own language, for not hiding yourself from us, but revealing yourself to us. And Lord, you've consistently done that throughout generations at time. You have revealed yourself to the people. You've spoken to people in language that they could understand. Lord, I'm praying that every one of us would be listening to your word that we would understand and know you. Lord, help us. I pray, God, that you would give every person that's here today, but also those that are not here, Lord, a hunger for your word, a hunger for knowing you, speak into our lives through your word we would know you more and more our lives would bring you honor and praise we thank you for it in Jesus name Amen